0: Hi, everyone. Today's podcast is brought to you once again by Comedy Bang Bang, the new IFC show from Scott Ackerman. every Friday at 10, 9 Central. It's an absurd half-hour comedy show that only looks like a talk show. Uh, It really is a very funny show. Scott is doing something that nobody else is doing on TV, Um, and IFC is really the right place for it if you've seen stuff like um, Portlandia, um, you know, it's, it's, they're making TV with a very personal point of view, and Scott is absolutely getting his point of view across in Comedy Bang Bang every Friday at 10 p.m. 9 Central on IFC. Uh, tomorrow's guests are Adam Scott, the great Adam Scott from Parks and Rec and Party Down, it's so funny. Uh, he will talk about his workout regimen. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, our, our friend Paul F. Tompkins, Uh, as Andrew Lloyd Webber will promote his latest theater project, Um, and Reggie Watts, who is the awesome band on the show. Reggie will abandon the show in search of a better life. Uh, You'll also see some terrific folks like Bob Odenkirk, Patton Oswalt, Andy Samberg, all that on Comedy Bang Bang every Friday at 10, 9 central on IFC. Check it out. Uh, They are good enough to sponsor this show, and that should be good enough for you. All right, today we have another um, recorded panel from the ATX Television Festival. Um, This was a a festival celebrating all things television uh, that happened in June of this past year. It was tremendous fun. I've talked about it before. Um, Their Kickstarter is done, and they got over 200%, I believe, uh, donated, which is amazing. It means next year's festival, which is on June 9th. Uh, the weekend of June 9th is going to be fantastic. Uh, if you want more information about the festival, the best thing to do is go to facebook.com slash ATXfestival. They are not sponsors. Uh, I just really like what these guys are doing. Um, today's podcast is from that, as I said, from this past uh, Festival. This is the very first festival. Meg Masters is the moderator. She does an amazing job. Uh, I'm so impressed with Meg, and I have a lot to learn from her about doing this thing. Uh, This is a women in television panel, something that I've been trying to pull together here in L.A. for some time, but uh, they did it at ATX with our old friends Jane Espenson and Liz Tigelar, as well as Erica Messer, who is the showrunner for Criminal Minds. Uh, it's a really interesting panel. Uh, I hope you'll give it a listen. And if you like it, please let me know. The best way to get in touch with me, tell me what shows that you want to hear people from and, you know, what other genres of writing you want to hear about is to be like the show, like the podcast, on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Nerdist Writers Panel. It's that easy. Uh, and I check it every day, and uh, I will respond to what you guys say. So it really is the best way to have a voice in this show. You know, this, this podcast that we do uh, is a podcast that I want to hear. That's why I started doing it. So I want to know what you guys want to hear. Um, it would mean a lot to me if you would, again, go like the show on Facebook. Uh, become an active participant in this thing. It's, it's not just for me. I've, I've been so flattered by all the attention and the nice things you guys say, uh, both on Facebook as well as on Twitter, uh, which is another good way to get in touch with me. Follow me at Ben Blacker. I think I say that in the recorded intro. Well, let's get to the theme song and that intro. Thanks for listening. Now entering Nerdist.com It's the Nerdist Writers panel on the
1: Nerdist Podcast channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers.
2: Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with
1: writers.
0: Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel Series, an informal chat about writing and the business and process of writing. Each and every panel benefits 826LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on 826LA, visit 826LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage program in the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes and via Nerdist.com. Uh, I've written for the series *Super Ninjas* and *Supernatural*.
2: Thank you guys for coming to the Women in TV panel. I'm Meg Masters, I'm going to moderate today. Um, we are here with such an amazing group of women. I'm sure you're all here specifically to see them. Um, at the very end, we have Jane Espenson, who you know from you know *Battlestar*, *Warehouse*, Buffy. <laughs> Right now, she has the web series *Husbands*, which is an amazing
3: venture that we'll talk a little bit about today. It's um, at husbandstheseries.com. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> um, and we have Liz Tigelar, obviously *Life Unexpected*, <laughs> *Revenge*, *American Dreams*, and right here we have Erica Messer, the <laughs> showrunner of *Criminal Minds*. She also worked on *The OC*. Um, so we're gonna kind of talk to them today about, you know, breaking the stereotypes and what it is being a woman working in the industry and just sort of break down their experiences. Um, so that's it's always a conversation, and I'm sure you guys, being in the industry and being as established as you are now, have a lot of insights on that. So, you know, is it actually as big of a case when you're in it as people make it? On the outside Have you really had You know Hardships coming up As a woman Writer and producer Yeah (laughs) Yeah It's a thing
3: (laughs) Uh, In comedy in particular I think the comedy room Being so (laughs) Testosterony And rough and tumble And there's a little bit Of a like Can we make Can we make the girl cry Atmosphere in some Writers rooms But in drama It hasn't been It hasn't been As much of a thing uh, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, I've been on a few dramas where I'm the only woman in the room, or there might be one other woman in the room, and um, I think it's it's more they look at it as big brother, little sister kind of thing, even if you're the same age as them or older. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 a it is it is very real. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you get it. It's, it's funny, like, when you think about it, like, you don't realize how much, like, kiddo you get. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. they're just kind and you're like, mm. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, and then sometimes, yeah. I mean, sometimes I find myself to also be my own worst enemy about it. But I remember, like, being on set, I was shooting, I was shooting my first pilot and, you know, I, like there was a lot that was going on, and there was some stuff that was kind of upsetting, and it was like I'm like digging my fingernails like into my, you know, palms, and I'm like, don't cry. <laughs> like, it's just my go-to move. It's like, I, you know, and so sometimes I feel like uh, definitely once I started running a show, I was like, there's no crying in show running. You're not only if it gets canceled <laughs> are you allowed to cry. Other than that, there is no crying. So I, I mean, I felt like I kind of had to grow up a little bit too because. People put so much onto you and they're so ready. You know, doing this pilot, I remember being like 30, and it was all kind of older men. And it's really intimidating sometimes to try to have to like learn to stand your ground. And I feel like running a show is the best training for having to do that because you have to do it every second of every day, have a million horrible, uncomfortable conversations, and you just learn kind of i don't know to stand up for yourself in a different way like very uh, i don't know rarely did i cry publicly
3: <laughs> but, and i also know some some men in some positions of authority on tv who regularly go cry in the stairwell in the men's room so it's it's um yeah. um it's it's like- choosing sometimes you have feel like you have to be tougher than the guys um because they can sometimes they could get away with that in a way that if you did it it would be like the girl move so right. yeah
2: now, what are your survival strategies at what point did you realize you could maybe stand up to them is the wrong word but that you could stand your ground and how did you do that and has it been successful for you
3: I've never really become a great stand your ground person um, I tend to I avoid the fight and just do it do, do the fight on the page it's like if you just don't take the note or or don't you know you just put out the page that's the page you want them to shoot and just um just keep putting out that page till they shoot it. <laughs> so I try I try to avoid the fights and have the fights on paper. Um but there are definitely better ways to do it than I do it.
4: <laughs> no, I think that's smart. I I feel like for me I think a lot of it was believing it myself, like liter- like a little bit being like I can do this and I deserve to be here and I'm I don't know. I, I noticed at, uh, earlier on in my career there was a lot of that feeling of, like, I'm so grateful. I have a pilot. Like, I'm so lucky. And I was it was just, like, not like a little girl thing, but it was like, yay. And then, I, you know, you kind of get walked all over and you're like, no, dude, I have a pilot. We're <laughs> shooting this shit. Like, I'm in charge of it. Like, this is how it's happening. And you just, you kind of you have to kind of believe it yourself a little bit like i think that's what it was with me and so by the time you know we were in series on life unexpected it was like yeah this is what we're doing like nobody would ever kind of put those different personalities together cuz that so wasn't kind of who i was anymore it's like it's it's you kind of come of age in your own way i feel like
1: yeah i think both of you guys have really good points and I would equate it, uh, show running, to um, parenting in a way. And uh, and you're ridiculously protective of this show that you've either created or you've inherited. And um, you know what's best. So normally I would have avoided conflict in situations like this. But when you absolutely know the right answer and somebody's challenging, challenging you on that, you're like but um actually no this is how it's going to be said and this is how it's going to be done and i don't think my character would say that and it's like well actually they do say <laughs> they say it right here so you know i mean it's it's a little bit being um it's kind it is it's being a mom in a way and i think that whether you're physically a mom or not that is one thing that that females have on their side they have a, a a protective nature about them and loyal and very defensive of their own. And I think that um, however we come into that, that's something that's a real strength that women showrunners have. And, and I don't know if people have really pinpointed that's what it is, yeah, right. but I've found that for myself and in talking to other female showrunners, it's like you... It's very much how you you run a household or run, you know, your kids lives. You're ridiculously efficient, you don't put up with bullshit, and it's because you know what's best for your baby. (laughs) <laughs> your your yeah. show. You know?
3: Yeah, I didn't feel that until husbands. Until it was a thing that I had co-created, and then you're then I knew the right answer. With with other shows that I inherited, I I didn't have that confidence, and I think that is that is the huge difference. And I think that may be a reason why we're seeing more and more women creators in the world of online shows, um, because they can come in with that confidence of I created this, I know absolutely the right answer, and you right. don't get um, run over by network or studio or other creative entities within the machine. So like like yeah. Yeah, then that's the place you can go. Be the mom of your show. Um, although I tend to think that that instinct is a is a human instinct, and it's just labeled differently in women and men. Men are strong protectors. That's why they do it. Women are moms. That's why they. Do it. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's the exact same instinct. Yeah, I Anna. think you're. I think you're right. That was mm. wrong for me to label it
1: no, like that. No. But I think that there's and whatever days, it is. But things. even you know a, a strong. Man could say something, a strong woman says something And she's a bitch
3: right. oh, But definitely. he's just being a strong man right. So
1: that definitely exists and I think it does exist with yeah. You know, the same things I said about The traits for women and mothers Could be said about men and fathers mm-hmm. But they handle it Very differently mm-hmm. There's a lot of like Alpha male stuff that goes on There's, And it there is doesn't that. I mean, I would say Most of the time it doesn't exist when women are running the show yeah. I do have time for it. That's interesting. You know, it's like yeah. I don't have time for that. <laughs> There's a lot to do, and um, right. I want to sleep tonight. So let's get this done. Let's
4: do it. <laughs> it is funny. I was just thinking about um, one time I had gotten kind of like a like talking to or whatever. Like an executive came over, and of course I'm like such an idiot because like I was like they were like, so-and-so is going to stop by for lunch. And I was like, that's weird all the way to Santa Monica. But I'm like, that's nice. Like just stopping by, you know, whatever. So, and I, you know, I'm like not thinking about it. Anyway, he comes in my office and he sits down and he was like, so, and I'm like, what's happening? And he was just like, is everything going all right? Like in your personal life? And I was just like, And I'm like, that was I'm like, do not cry. Do not cry. (laughs) I'm like, what is happening right now? Don't start crying. And I'm like, what? And he's like, you just seem he was like, last year you seemed so like bubbly and perky. And he's like, this year you seem like you're fighting and like angry. And I was like, I feel angry. I was like, I mean, and I was saying like You basically... Whatever. Anyway, I was like, yeah, I'm a little angry. So I was like, yeah, I feel angry. I feel very threatened and like, you know, you're trying to make my show be something different. I feel angry. But I was sitting there in that moment thinking, if I were a guy, would anyone ever come into my office and be like... (laughs) are you feeling? Is everything okay in your personal life? And I'm like, you're not as perky as last year. You're not as perky as last year. Like, who would say that? You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not as perky. You're trying to cancel my show. I don't feel perky. I'm mad. You know, but I was like, and then of course, I was just like, you know, and I was like, no, I was like, and then then of course, I started crying. I was like, I was like super Uh tough. I had like a good five minutes of being like, no, well, I really don't appreciate this and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, and then, I, like, and then I tried to go, just so you know, I'm not crying about this. <laughs> like, it's about something that has nothing to do with this. And so then I'm like, it's like like your personal life. I'm like, no,
2: I'm fine. Yes. Like,
4: I thought we were having lunch. Where's lunch? <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry and angry. <laughs> <I'm> crying. <laughs> it's sad. But it's very weird, like all of a sudden, how someone is approaching you and talking to you and you're kind of it's I mean in the moment I was like oh okay you know whatever but it was only when I thought about it I'm like that would never happen to a man it's so patronizing and so insulting and you would probably if I were a man he wouldn't have even had the balls to drive over to ask me that
3: You know I mean it was crazy so. And that's, that's the thing That happened When you were in charge When you were in power And you were at a mature place In your career The things that happen When you are the baby writer When you're 22 or 28 Or whatever That I went in once uh, I had been on sitcoms for a couple of years. I hadn't been staffed. So this was a desperate year of unemployment. Um, and I got a meeting to go be a freelancer on a show. And I went in and I was talking with the showrunner. And I was, he asked about my background in linguistics and I was talking about an interesting phenomenon in linguistics where even in English, sometimes if you just hum the tonality of the phrase, you can understand the phrase. And he said, give me an example. And I said, mm. <laughs> So you know, he, he should be able to hear, I don't know. And he said, Oh yeah, yeah. I totally heard. I want sex. <sighs> no! Yeah. And so, oh my gosh. So stunned silence ensues. <laughs> and I got the gig. I, got, I wrote the thing and I didn't have sex with him, so it all worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but like, crazy. yeah, I mean, that was some time ago, but still, I think a lot of that could easily happen now. I mean, there's probably, you know, 20 something girls out there right now trying to get started in the business facing stuff like that. And you just have to know that this is a great business. It's a great job. It's the best job in the world. You battle through those, those things and you get to the point, you can be crying in a showrunner's office instead (laughs) of a freelancer. (laughs) Exactly.
2: That really is surprising though, because I think I came into the Panel today, thinking now you guys have gotten up to these showrunner creator levels. So, what you know were the hardships you went through, but still, now in this Mm -hmm. position you are now, you're still battling this. Oh,
4: yeah, and even I mean, I was just on a panel right before this uh, for create you know people that had created stuff, and it was all men. I mean, Julie Plex like double booked, but I'm like, where is she? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, why is she not here? You know, but you, you know, and you feel. Your instinct is to feel smaller and shrinky. You know, you're like, meep. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, you
0: know,
4: it's, it's, a, it is a, it's, it's a thing. I mean, I always, this is going to be, this is a weird tangent, but does anyone ever watch Locked Up Abroad? I think it's very interesting, and I don't know if this point's going to fly, but you know Locked Up Abroad, it, it's basically about people who have gone into other countries, now they're smuggling drugs back into the country, and they end up getting caught and getting locked up abroad. It sucks. But basically, it's so interesting because with the women, like the men, they're like, yeah, I'll smuggle drugs for a two-week vacation in Mexico, great, and they do it, and they get caught. The women, they always know right before they do it, they're like... I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it. This is bad. This is going to go bad, but badly. But the reason that they don't not do it is because they've promised someone, they've committed to doing it and they feel like they can't take that back. Anyway, that's all. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing that I've noticed. Like you get in these weird things where your, your instincts are battling what you've Said you would do as a woman I don't know, I, I find it to be a female thing But maybe it's not, but I just notice it in my own life Like I'll get in a car with like a drunk cab driver And I'll be like, I don't want to tell him to pull up But I'm like, he's drunk <laughs> It's so hard to stand up for yourself And to just listen to your own instinct and be like This isn't right, this is wrong, I have to do something And And I notice, I fight it within myself all the time Of like, I don't want to embarrass anybody I don't want anyone to feel bad Like I want everyone to be happy And I don't want to be the person that doesn't make them And you want to be liked, and then you know when you're in charge you have to face all those things and you have to you know you can't you can't strap the drugs and <laughs> duct tape it to your leg and just walk on through you have to be like wait people this is going to be bad <laughs> i have to say something yeah, this, <laughs> could <go wrong. laughs> this could go wrong this could go wrong anyway it's kind of mm, doesn't quite work but <laughs> get what i mean i think there
1: is a disease to please out there i mean yeah. i don't know if it's a female thing or, or what, but I think that a lot of us have it in, you know, those who are writing or acting or whatever, there's a degree of you need um, some kind of acceptance and, and, and I think that that kind of goes into this, like, this whole idea yeah. of, ah, uh, but I said I would and right. I don't want to really back out right, and right. then that would make them unhappy, but it's like, but... It would make you dead. So <laughs> it like, like, trumps that. But um, yeah, there is sort of that disease to please that yeah. kind of
3: runs. And look what we're doing now. Like we're here to talk about like mm-hmm. being strong women, and, and and we're spending all the time going like, here's what we're doing wrong. <laughs> Screw that. We're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. We're getting it done. And yeah, it's true. And, right. yeah. But
4: this, <laughs> is, why love, uh, this right? is why I love. This is why I love. This is why I love working with women. Though it is the difference. I mean, you can look at it on the negative side, but it's like I I feel like we're also quick to, uh, you know. Kind of well, this is this is stupid, but like when I was doing created this character Kate on Life Unexpected, when I first handed it in, they were like. Um, This woman is completely unlikable. Uh, She doesn't want to get married and have kids. Like, they basically, the note I got was that she was unlikable. No one would want to watch her. Of course, I felt like I had just written myself. So now I felt like they were actually telling me I was unlikable. And I'm like, I think she's very likable and quirky. Like, like, she's fluffy and quirky and, you know, whatever. And I remember getting the note. They were like, people like women who um, kind of... Uh, don't take things out on other people, they turn it inward on themselves. And I was like, <laughs> like an eating disorder, or cutting, like, what are you talking about? But that was the bad side of it, this network note. But I think the good side of it is that I do feel like we're all pretty self. I, I feel like you could be, whatever, this is a huge generalization, but I, I, don't, I haven't worked with a lot of men who are sitting around uh, doing like a lot of introspection on their interpersonal skills on how they've made you right. feel on on uh, how you felt when they gave you notes on mm-hmm. did they say anything nice to you like whatever it is i've never really encountered that I've, i there's been one guy in my career mark perry who's ever he's the only man who's ever told me good job on a script i've been on a a lot of shows, written a ton of episodes, and usually you hand something in and nobody says a word. It's like one guy, whereas I feel like when I work with women, they are so much more um, giving and r- ready to share credit and to and to say how you know wonderful something is. Or how, I I just feel more valued as a whole. But that that's to say I I don't know that I've ever worked with a female showrunner. Um, that's more just women who come into your office and say, like, I read your script. Great job. Like, that was really great. Or, or well, no one's going to come in your office and tell you your script sucked. But I'm not
2: <laughs> meaning to say I
4: write all good scripts or anything. I'm just saying, like, people, you know, I, I just find that that's how women are or you can have these kind of I mean I have a producing partner who's we, we get in fights as if we were married I mean we will literally just be like oh my god like we uh, go at it and then we're like I'm really sorry that we fought like I feel really bad about what happened early like I, there's never been there's never been a man who's ever come into my office to speak about like how they might have spoken to me or how we might have what happened it just doesn't happen that way so I don't know there's something about working with women um there is something maternal about it, obviously. It just it feels more nurturing to it's me. Supportive. It's supportive. I think it's yeah. supportive.
1: And I think it comes down to the fact that we've all been in rooms where we're the only woman. Or there might be one other. So when there's another woman, you just naturally want to, like, suss that one out. Like, is this a... Because there's some women who aren't women's women, Mm -hmm. you know, um, who are guy girls or whatever they call it. But (laughs) but, um, so when you find one or two, if you're lucky, that are like lovely and like-minded and all that, you just, you do sort of gravitate and you support and you lift Mm -hmm. up and you pop your head in and say, I know you were up till two and you did a great job. You know, because you're aware that... um, it's doing to others. You would you would want that to happen to you. Right. Yeah. And whether it does or not, it doesn't limit you from sharing that with somebody else. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, can you guys to that kind of to the same point? Can you talk a little about being a woman in the writers' room specifically, you know, earlier in your career, did you feel that lack of feminine energy and then now that you have the choice to hire the writers. Do, do you make it a point to bring women in and to to make sure it's more evenly distributed?
3: I haven't really been in the position of hiring a staff, but but absolutely the the comedy writers room where I started my career. Like I was saying, yeah, it was those are rooms where it is about shouting out a joke in the moment very quickly, very loudly, and really about breaking the room up. There are guys who never get a joke on the page, but they're valuable in the writer's room because they keep the room laughing. Uh, and what's going to make a room full of comedy writers laugh? It's going to be sort of the the grossest thing, the, the rapiest joke, as you... is going to get <laughs> oh the God, laugh yes. in the room. Um, and so it could be a very uncomfortable place. But more and more, like... There's the Disney ABC Writers Fellowship, which you guys should all know about if you're aspiring writers. That's a good place for, for new writers in town. And more and more, I see young women, particularly teams of young women, um, as comedy writers. And the fact that they're all going through this program and all getting placed means the numbers, I would hope, would start to change. And these rooms will start to be more balanced and and will start to get, a, a I would hope, a better energy, a better feel, a better attitude coming out of the room... Which may be why we're starting to see comedies that have a little more a little more heart to them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you mm-hmm. made it
2: a point, you two, who are yeah. writers, to bring the women in? Yeah, absolutely.
1: My second um, in command, I don't know, my co-pilot, <laughs> my right hand, um, Janine Sherman berrois is an amazing uh, writer producer. She's she started off in comedies. Um, mm-hmm then was on Third Watch and ER uh, the last few years of ER before she came to Criminal Minds. And, again, the, if she's not a mother, the most efficient woman I know. She's very um, – she keeps that ship running. She keeps the writer's room going. If I'm not in there, I'm, like, Stretch Armstrong, which, um, you know, you're in post and you're on set and you're dealing with ten other things. but um, And then the, the next in line – After her is Sharon Lee Watson, and then um, another, and then we have like a story editor level woman. So there's four women and four men on Criminal Minds, Mm. and that's like first time ever because before it was um, me and one other woman. So (laughs) it's nice to, you know, um, I think we're heard a little bit more in the. Hey, let's not do an episode where it's coeds again. How about that? <laughs> like, let's um do some research on the guys that hurt everyone, you know and, um, because you know it just quickly you know again, I mean, it sort of goes to everything that women and children are are victimized the most, and so our show depicts reality in a lot of ways, so when you look at that, it's like your, your real choice here is. Male or female victims, that's all you got. Um, And the reality is 90% of the time it's females. But, um, you know, uh, I've found many, many, many instances where there's people who are equal opportunity offenders. So I try to tell those stories so we're not, like, victimizing women any more than than in reality.
3: And I think equality of villainy is an interesting area <laughs> that, that um, like mm-hmm. every every underrepresented group sort of goes to this thing where they have to be paragons and then they can, and then when you get enough representation on TV, you can start having villains. So um, we, we've started to be able to have African-American villains again um, because <laughs> for a while it was like, a, uh, that's why they were always black women judges because you could sort of check off too and and look, paragon. And now you can <laughs> sort of go like, no, villainy, like Heroism is distributed equally, yeah. um, and and I think uh, uh, so. Some good women killers, yep. yeah, and, 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 and like once true. upon a time, like we've got we've got three female strong female characters, um, one of whom is this fantastic villain. And it's like I think that's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is
1: great. and you think of the fairy tales, and there were, yeah. it was always the evil queens and the yeah.
3: Actually, yeah. that's an interesting we have a we have a hard time find or not a hard time, but there is an underrepresented to Male characters are underrepresented in fairy tales. Like, if you start counting the bad guys, then you really end up with this huge disparity of it's all females because there's all those witches and all the evil queens, and you put that in with all your princesses, you've got a whole bunch of female characters, some of whom are very strong, maleficent, you know, um, and and almost no male characters at all that even have names. There's this sort of um, they're
1: very stereotypical.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of Prince
1: Charming's.
3: So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of interesting to sort of, when you yeah. go back to folktale stuff, uh-huh. you sort of get before stuff changed, and you find you find all this female stuff. So that's that's one of the really fun things at Once Upon a Time.
2: Yeah. Now, I think it's, you know, an important thing to note that... You guys did work with also some really well liked male showrunners as well yeah. and especially yeah. Jane with Joss Whedon. How did working under someone that is, you know, so prominent in the business sort of shape where you have ended up today, and, you know, I mean, it, clearly that was very impactful yeah, in your career.
3: It changed everything. Well, I've actually worked with, with, between Joss Whedon and Ron Moore and Russell Davis, I've worked with three guys who, without whom, there would be a lot less female representation on the screen and behind the scenes. So, I think we sort of, we sort of, it's easy to frame the guys as the enemy in this, but in fact, if it weren't for righteous men like that, like, I wouldn't be in the business. Um, so, yeah, we should remember that, that feminism, Crosses his gender lines um, And uh, yeah Thank God for the good men
4: Yeah I agree Josh Reams is um, One of my favorite showrunners That I've worked with And have worked with him uh, Numerous times I would say that he's kind of I don't know He's 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 the mo- He's the most like in touch with I don't know The, the plight of the woman But uh, <laughs> He's uh, He's just He's just an amazing guy And I feel like If If he were getting to kind of Shape, which uh, he writes, he works on, and writes very female skewing shows. I would say, so I think that's true. It's I, just as, as you know, I feel like sometimes, like we've probably all been told. Um, well, I'm not sure. I can speak for myself, but like where you're being considered for a show, but it's like, oh, you're. A, it doesn't seem it's like it's really in your wheelhouse. Like maybe because you're a woman, maybe for other reasons too, but. Um, Men write women better than women sometimes, just like we can write men as well as men. Yeah,
3: I think yeah, I've, I've written on this topic that we, we need to stop saying, like, you need a woman on your staff because they provide this. Because right. as soon as you start saying the woman brand gets you this, then you're saying it doesn't get you this other thing. Yeah. And, yeah, there are men who write um, Look at Starbucks. look at Buffy. That was written by men. Yeah. But yeah. that means we can write men. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: I worked with J.J. Um, J. Abrams on the first couple of – of Seasons of um, Alias And that was such a strong Female lead coming off of Felicity which was also a strong female lead mm-hmm. Just a much quieter show um, I think Alias came out of Them trying to figure out what Felicity's Going to do in mm-hmm. season four and they're like What if she's so smart <laughs>
3: He's like wait I'll be back That's a whole
1: other show And then he did Alias um, But no I mean he's very You know these there's there's a lot of them out there that are they're very in touch with um, with that energy and want to represent women in a really strong way and create these characters and um, and I say you always learn from every show you've been on you take away um, the strengths and the weaknesses of that show and that showrunner and the stories that you're telling and all that and I took away a lot of gold from working with jJ so
2: do you guys think sort of in spite of the representation of, of women in this industry that you've ended up where you're meant to be with you know, dramas, procedurals, you are on so many you know, cult to... hit shows, right. but you also get to provide some of the funniest episodes of those shows, do you feel like you've ended up where you want to be, or is there still in the back of your head, I want to be on a sitcom, or I think that's more where my sensibilities lie, or are you sort of good with where you've you
3: know, made your path? I'm, I love it. I love that I get to do genre and comedy and, and the 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 bit that I still felt that I had to do, which was you know creating a show that I really felt ownership of, I've gotten with husbands. So it's like I work all year long on Once Upon a Time. I spend all my hiatus working on Husbands, where it's like like me, Brad Bell and I created it, and and we get to get in there and really do everything hands on, and it's extraordinary, and you feel it. Like, but it's it's a little speedboat because it's a little little show, so you can, you really feel you can take control of it, and so it's it's exactly the opposite of what I do all year long on Once Upon. A time where I'm part of this big glamorous cruise ship um, and so it's it's the perfect balance I get to I get to do exactly what I want to be doing
4: yeah I feel that way too I mean I I definitely don't think you know my career has been hurt at all by being a woman like I I, de- I feel like the, any obstacles that I've had to overcome are also are, are probably more my own personal obstacles than what people are putting on me I mean there there can be when you're young and starting out there can be that like little girl vibe but I remember like going you know it was funny going back into the writer's room after Life Unexpected I was like I don't know who I am in the room anymore because I feel like I haven't I, it feels like a lot, I mean it was like my 20s, it felt like, it felt like a long time ago the last time I was like really in a writer's room And I was always used to being the youngest one like, and kind of the like, up and comer, not anybody who would have any responsibility for anything So it was weird coming back in after that and being like, I don't really know what my identity is anymore um, And I, I still kind of feel that way sometimes. It's, it's, it's hard once you've done your own thing to go back to not having the control, although it's such a relief. Yes. But it's so hard <laughs> too yeah. because you're just used to being like, well, let's just do it this way. Like, here's what we're doing. And to sit around waiting for decisions to be made and to, you know, you're kind of like, you see it clearly in your mind and it's such a it's such a gift to be able to execute it and when you can't do that it sometimes feels a little like wearing handcuffs so that has nothing to do with being male or female that just has to do with kind of what you know what what happens as you move through different things but i feel i feel super happy and grateful
1: yeah yeah Yeah, me too i i was raised on this show called party of five as a writer's assistant Mm -hmm. and I was the assistant to the showrunners Of that series And learned so much from them Then Alias And the OC And then the Criminal Minds Which is just like, what? It doesn't really <laughs> fit um, That like, touchy-feely uh, vibe That the other shows had So um, I never in a million years Thought I'd be on this show For eight seasons um, Telling really dark tales It's it's really sort of beyond me why that's happening, but it's <laughs> happening and I'm grateful. Um, but also like, I I feel like there's something in the sort of in that training that I had with the the party of five years and all that kind of stuff that is definitely going to come back into play because I feel like I haven't really had a chance to be in the sandbox with that for so long. So yeah, I feel like I'm just getting started in a, in a weird way, but, but we all are where we're supposed to be or else we wouldn't be there. So, and I think that we've all been able to learn such lessons along the way that it just, it, we don't even know what's in our arsenal. It's just something's presented. And we're like, Oh yeah, we learned that, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I learned that on life and expect I'm not going to do that again or right, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 You
3: know, for sure.
1: It's all, all good.
2: Um, I'm going to open it to questions in about a few more minutes. If you guys have them and want to start preparing, um, but what, what is your guys' ideal landscape? If you were to, in your head, picture how you'd like it to look with, you know, a female presence in the TV industry, what would it, what would it sort of entail?
4: I mean, I would, I would like there to be more female showrunners. Like, I, would, I, I enjoy working with women, and I would like to work... For women, um, it doesn't mean I don't like working for men and have not been happy working for men. But I, I would like to see more of that um, and experience that. You know. But
3: yeah, I'd like to see a, a more creative atmosphere in the business in general and more forward looking and so instead of saying this is what audiences have watched in the past so let's right. make more of that saying like like there are there are, I mean the fact that we're doing husbands online is is telling it's like that's where you can go if you're if you've got content that um that old tv maybe isn't thinking there's an audience for so i'd like to see that um that spirit of exploration brought into to tv and that will of necessity involve more women because it'll it'll that's who the viewer is there are great women writers a lot of them working online like like if we could sort of draw that into television that spirit that'd be great
1: I think that would be great too. It's it's so, um, I don't know, when you see that what's old is new again, it does get a little discouraging. And it feels like if we had, um, there's so many stories out there. Everybody's got a story. You've got a story. It's very different from her story. And there's so much opportunity for original voices. And it just feels like we really need that. I'm so happy for Jane that it's happening for her online. But before everything goes online, like, let's see if TV Mm -hmm. is brave enough to do that again. It just feels like they're not willing to take those chances. And and have even said, like, "Mm, this is an okay idea. Why don't you go shoot it? Why don't you go shoot a few pages of it and then bring it back to us? And it's like, oh, so if it doesn't work out, I'll just put it online. But... Wow, what happened to the days of, like, having faith in, why don't you go write it, and then we'll put millions of dollars behind (laughs) it and shoot it. Um, So it's just, you know, I think that we really, um, we need to have faith in, in the stories again. And, and believe in in original voices. Yeah,
3: like, isn't it amazing if you look at you know some of the stuff presented up fronts this year, where you're like this, you know, this is the year when people could really be stepping up, saying there's, we, there's networks have lost so much of their viewership. Like, why not? This is the time to take the risk. Why not go out there yeah, and tell yeah, the okay. news stories of 2012? And I feel like there's a lot of stuff that could have been on the air in 1994 going on. It's like, yeah, I, oh, I also want
4: to see like it's true, I, like more. I mean. The the landscape of television is interesting this year, and it's true. Like there is something about it that's so disappointing. But and then you look at characters. Like I want to see more of Carrie from Homeland. Like that character is such an amazing character. Nobody's asking is she likable. Like (laughs) I'm so sick of that question. And um, Laura Dern in Enlightened, that she's a great character. She's a wonderful, wonderful character. Hannah on Girls, great character. They're all real. They don't. They're not. They, they don't have to be pretty and perfect, obviously they're all gorgeous, but they don't have to they can like cry the ugly cry. Like they don't have to look all put together and that they get to be kind of real flawed people and, and on Life Unexpected we definitely battled it. We were it was funny because we were watching this we were just watching the screening at the wherever. And um you know, anything this character Baze did he was the dad on the show he could be like bumbling and he could do bad things and like everybody loved him and Chris Palaha is obviously so charming um, but then Kate it was like she she could basically if she was doing the exact same things as as Bays, her character Sherry's character it's like She's a bad mom she's selfish she's this she's that and it, it would just I think having more women but but then when I look at that character Kate and we were talking about it I was saying what I love about sherry's portrayal is that she just seemed so real and like it was okay kind of being not. The woman everybody we all think kind of the woman everybody thinks you should be. She can be messy and flawed and ugly and say horrible things and want to take them back. And there's just like a reality to that that I feel like isn't represented. And and characters like Carrie and um, Hannah, you know, those are those characters. and, And I feel like that that's what's on now. And I wish more of that would come. And I think you know a lot of the way to do that is having. Women kind of be allowed to be flawed on TV.
3: I think Tina Fey did us a good service mm-hmm. with that. She brought that a lot of that Definitely. to the forefront. Yeah, yeah, That's for very sure. smart
2: So, if anyone has questions, we have a few minutes. Okay, good.
3: Should I? We don't do, do. Last time
2: I think we on. can hear you. Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: I remember once I I tweeted you about writing, and I said that I like to write with music because mm-hmm. it really helps. And I'm wondering if any of you have any creative writing rituals that you do. I know you like the voices. So you don't... Yeah, yeah. The music drowns out the voices in my head. Um, so I can't write with any, any sound. Um, but yeah, you've seen me do the, the the writing sprints. Yeah, that works. Yeah, the focus. Take a focused amount of time. Not a task, but an amount of time. Um, because if you have a, if you do it by the task, that task could expand. But if you, I'm going to get as much done as I can in an hour, you'll be amazed what you get done. And you'll be amazed how long it's been since you've spent a focused hour without stopping to tweet and check your emails. It's it's, it's. People are like, I haven't done this in years. And it's like it's an hour, and it, it, it's amazing. So that's that's my ritual. Oh, also, I lie, I write lying, lying down. I write lying on my back, propped up with pillows on my bed. Um, try that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have
4: one? I don't have any tricks. My only trick is having a deadline. That gets me going. Everything else, it's all bad.
1: I turn my internet off on my computer. Oh, that's smart. Um, And I wish I could say, I don't have my phone near me, but I usually do. (laughs) But it is amazing when you say, um, this is what I want to get done in one hour. And if you truly are focused, next thing you know, two hours have gone by.
3: Yeah, yeah. Ideally. Yes. And... 10 pages, which is awesome. Yeah.
1: When that happens, (laughs) you'll have a block. But, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, you. Um, I just had a question. I haven't seen any of the statistics on actually how many women showrunners there are. And I wondered if you knew that and if there was a discrepancy between network and cable.
3: Interesting I know there was, uh, the, yeah. They recently determined That 19% of TV writers Are women But I don't think I've seen a number On showrunners You
1: know CBS Has a lot of Female showrunners So I'm not In the minority there For that network In um, a lot of their Big shows Like the CSIs And um, so um, But I don't know What the numbers are And I don't mm. know If that has anything To do with Nina Tassler Being the president Of the network that she gets it a little bit. But um, but I would think it's not great if it's only 19% of women are, are
3: TV Yeah, and what would it mean if the, if like the, the showrunner number was so much better than that? Like, that means that there are women out there not doing what you're doing, which is hiring a balanced staff. Right. There are women recreating the pattern that, that already existed where you have one or two women on a staff. Right. Yeah, interesting.
2: Another? Uh, something I've noticed, actually, is it seems fans... Most of the time, are harder on female showrunners than they are on male showrunners, and maybe that's with Twitter
3: and stuff. Is that something you guys have noticed, and why do you think that is? I haven't, I haven't noticed it, but I haven't been looking for that. Um.
4: I don't know. I mean, I, I weirdly wouldn't be surprised by that in some weird way. Um, I, yeah, I have no idea. My instinct was to say. Do female showrunners, are they willing to put themselves out there more? Mm. And, and Meaning, like, in a Twitter way, like, kind of seeking approval. Not in a bad way, but just in a, like, hey, do you like it? You know, if you're inviting that feedback, right, you're right. inviting that to come in. But I don't know that that's it. I was just, that was, like, off the top of my head. I was trying to think about it. I mean, I think people can be so tough in general, especially when you're, like, hiding behind something. Um, but yeah, I've I've definitely seen some sh- female showrunners get super slammed on Twitter, and it's
3: it's so hard to do any sort of statistical analysis of our business though because it's so small. You know how many network showrunners are there? It, it, if, right. if, if if you notice a pattern, is it just because the women are running different kinds of shows, or, or right. just that With year a different fan base yeah. Yeah. that is more yeah. vocal? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to yeah, it's hard it's to hard to, hard to be really smartly analytical about it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, I was wondering
2: if you've noticed that there's still a push from, like, the network's executives to write still for that male audience, or is it opening up more so that you can have, you know, writing and pitches for the females that are out there, you know, really looking for
3: shows? I think the female demographic is always hugely sought after because they're the consumers. So it's actually writing for women much more than for men. Yeah. Um, I think where I think sometimes there's a blind spot is that um, they don't know what the women viewers want. I mean, writing for women doesn't mean necessarily domesticity. Um, women right. love Battlestar Galactica, and it was you know dogfights and, and aircraft carriers. And um, uh, I think uh, you know, husbands has this huge female demographic of viewers. But I think people expect it to only draw gay men. And it's like no, it's women watching the show. I think it, it's it, what's lacking is the research into what are what are the women watching.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. we have time for one more question. Yeah. So, in the
1: industry, who are some of the women that have helped influence who you are today?
3: DC Fontana, um, writer from Star Trek original star trek who's fantastic and just seeing that name and knowing it was a woman early in your life is very important and uh, the the balanced writing staff of mash you'd see the female names go by on that writing staff um madeline Pugh from is that the right name cheeks the writer from uh, i love lucy thank you um there's another name you'd see go by and so i think just seeing those names and
1: her chair um on set said girl writer Really? <laughs> so I'm always like, I love her. <laughs> she was the girl writer. Yeah.
4: I would say um, Winnie Holzman was hugely influential to me. I oh, was yeah. lucky enough to be her assistant, um, and she was amazing. I, she just, I felt like it was grad school, and she kind of. Um, taught me so much just by being her um, and watching her and seeing how she did things. And she did things in such a strong but, like, quiet way. She'd just be like, honey, okay. (laughs) You know, she'd be like, here's what's happening. You know, but it was, like, so lovely. Um, And Jessica Bendinger was another mentor of mine who is very, um, she's very strong and vocal. And and I definitely watched her kind of stand up and fight. Um, so I have some of that in me and actually I'm such an idiot. I just started a job and I'm working for a woman. I'm a, I'm a moron. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've only been there three days. That's why I wasn't thinking about it. But, I, I barely started, really but, start. um, I'm working for Callie Curry who wrote Thelma and Louise and, um, just having been, and she created Nashville and just having been in the room with her for a few days, like I can't even tell you, I've just been like, love you so much like she's just dreamy like like her the way her ideas come out and everybody you know already people are so passionate about it and you know all the everyone's kind of fighting to get their ideas across and everybody wants to contribute and she'll just be like you know what and everyone just quiets down (laughs) Mm. and she just speaks and like there's just something about her I literally I'm like Obsessed with her, like I can't <laughs> stop staring at her. Like she's like, who's the clown across the table? I'm like, <laughs> you know? I'm like, it's my favorite movie ever, and I love you, and you're really pretty. And I, I love her. So I'm that it hasn't like all settled in yet, and I haven't gotten to kind of have the full experience. But um, you know, she walked in on the first day and was like, "Thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy, you know, to everybody." And it was just like thanks, thanks for having. Me. you know you really felt like I don't know it was it was a nice feeling, so um, I'm, I'm guessing she's going to be hugely influential if the last three days you know it's been a great three days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I had a great opportunity to work with Amy Lippman, who was a co-creator of Party of Five and she was a huge influence and I always cross paths with susanna grant but but I'm like kind of stalking her so um, <laughs> so she's also had that really interesting career. She's like great in TV and she's written amazing features. And so I've always just thought these really nice, good people can have really nice, good careers. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's a nice thing to learn early on in Hollywood because, um, later on, if you hadn't learned that you would never believe it's true. So it's, it's nice to, to know that. And then you continue to meet really Mm -hmm. good people, And um, have faith in the whole process again, because it's easy to get you down. (laughs) down. But but no, I think, you know, and then it continues, like working with really strong women and good storytellers. And it just, it's all really, um, I think they're all influential.
2: All right, well, that is the end. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for taking part.
3: Now leaving nerdist.com. Thank <small noise>